Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst. I'm a writer, I'm a director, and oh boy, my precious Arrowhead friends, do we have a show for you this fortnight. Holy (laughs) shit. Dan, why did you want to do Burst City, which is your choice for this episode? Why are we doing this one, Dan? You know how I've been torturing you with films you don't like for a while? Yeah. I thought this was a good one. I thought this was one that you'd like. You have absolutely cracked it. You have selected a film that I haven't seen that I did indeed absolutely love. Um, It's a treat. Yeah, there is sequence in this that rank alongside the best things I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) The early stages just have this perfect mixture of kind of documentary realism and absurd oh, isn't it so realism that I absolutely adore and then it just goes fucking nuts and it's got punks and bikers and an exploding title card um, and sort of cyborgs yeah no seriously 12 <laughs> minutes in and I wanted to cry I love this so much so Burst City what a picture thank you for selecting it can you describe the plot without spoilers yes, um, I can I have had yeah. to write it in advance this time. <laughs> I, I mean, that makes absolute sense to me because this has got to be one of the most under-the-radar classics we've ever covered. So there will be a, a large percentage of uh, our lovely Arrowheads who, who haven't seen this one. Some of them might not even have heard of it. Um, so, yeah, let's tread really carefully here and, um, yeah, take it away. OK, so during the most opulent era of modern Japanese financial history, small marginalised groups vie for space on the margins of society. Bikers, cyborg workers and various gangs of punk rockers are all at risk of being pushed out by a Yakuza plan to clear the slums and build a nuclear power plant. Also, there's a revenge subplot with bikers. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, very, very good. I'd like to take it back to the old school of the Arrow video podcast where we used to talk about the opening of movies because yeah it's amazing it kind of feels a little bit like Mad Max 2 in places and the decline of western civilization in others and those are two of my favorite movies Uh, how do you feel about this opening because it really grabs you straight away doesn't it it absolutely does like whether it's the sort of frantic slow shutter speed like pov racing through these like neon streets where all you can see is really the light because everything else is underexposed so you've just got these amazing light trails whipping past camera which already like imbues you with this sense of energy and and sort of like frenetic urgency and then that sort of slams into what feels like it's going to be like concert footage like behind the behind the curtain concert footage stuff uh you've got these like very stylized punks getting ready in uh in black and white but then that's intercut with this amazing sort of like burnt wasteland post-industrialist burnt wasteland with a bunch of stuff like are they dancing are they having a fit like uh, is that a cyborg is that man's head metal like it just throws so much at you and it's all like wonderful yeah no it's really wonderful how much energy you can get from sped up footage of a camera racing across the highway it is something oh, yeah. that became a trope after this i don't know if, if it was seen in cinema before this but um it's certainly kind of a trope now but even though you've seen it before it still grabs you and takes you on this ride instantly 
yeah it's really magical and yeah the band like the bit where they're kind of walking out and they step on the picture of the beatles um <laughs> before it kind of goes into a a perfect cut to the opening credits but yeah that's kind of about as far as i really want to get in terms of a, a specific breakdown of this movie because i don't want to spoil one wild moment of this glorious hallucination there are so many moments that we could call out or list as being insanely cool but i want people listening to this to have the exact same experience i had it was such a rush yeah, it's a delight. I, I When I saw this, like I must have been at college when I saw this and I hadn't seen it since. So when Arrow announced it, I knew that I wanted to rewatch it and I knew that we probably wanted to cover it on the podcast. I've watched it three times in the last two weeks. Um, Amazing. The movie twice and then once with the audio commentary. The first time I put it on, I put it on really, really late at night and it was almost, it was like a sort of like a screaming hug. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually ended up sort of like drifting in and out throughout the film. So I, you know, obviously I had to watch it again. But but it, there is something really fantastic. I talked on an, a, like a previous episode about when you watch something and you're like, oh fuck yeah, that's like a linchpin to so many things. Like you mentioned Mad Max Two. Obviously this predates Mad Max Two. Yeah. But Shogo Ishii cites Mad Max as an influence on this. So it's really it's yeah it's like. It's very much nested in that world. Did you listen to the commentary? I didn't actually. No, I kind of. Oh, this was one of those you'll times love it, where, once again, I mean, I'll definitely get to it, but it's one of these times where I wanted to just express my thoughts completely uninterrupted by other people's thoughts. Um, so I definitely listened to it, but I just wanted to kind of get on the mic in a slightly punk rock style. Um, and just wax lyrical about this this amazing, amazing rush of a movie. But yeah, go on, talk a little bit about that commentary for people who are interested in that. Well, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic commentary. Uh, it's by Tom Mez, who very much knows his stuff. Although it does delve into the sort of the the nuts and bolts of how the film was made a little bit, and really only in a sort of broader sense talking about like how she came to have this film with this budget like how the stars aligned for it because he was very young and and a little bit about the production itself which are fantastic anecdotes which i strongly suggest you uh, you look into but also it talks about ishii's place in the in film history as a whole talks about his influences who he has influenced other crew members who've gone on to do other things i won't spoil that but there's a lot of big japanese names in the crew yeah, it's a really fantastic insight into where this film that a lot of people haven't seen fits into the bigger picture. And like I said, it, it is something of a keystone. It's something of a linchpin to a lot of stuff that you probably love. And yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have a projector. So was able to see this on a, a relatively big screen. And I know, Dan, you have a pretty sweet setup as well on that front. Um, so that kind of definitely added to the experience. But I do think that you could watch this on a laptop and still have oh, yeah. the same kind of experience. And this one is on the Arrow streaming service. So, um, you know, you might have passed it by uh, because if I have one criticism of this release, it's that the cover art doesn't quite match the movie um, for me anyway. That's no I'm not dissing the artist or whoever selected it or whatever. I'm just saying in terms of my personal taste, I kind of thought this was a completely different movie based on that cover. But yeah, you have to watch this fucking film. It blew me away. <laughs> um, pair it with Dinner in America and you've got a badass punk double bill right there. Yeah, yeah, man. That's a very good double bill. Just don't worry about silly things like 
following the plot or scenes <laughs> that make sense. Um, well, just it's almost like being at a concert. Like for a lot of the film, it is like being at a concert. It's a musical, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It kind of starts like that and you think that's what it's going to be. But it just it veers off into such crazy directions. It, it just really is a wild ride. Um I don't really drink, you know, I do kind of on special occasions and I don't do drugs ever. So I really do rely on movies to get me high. And this film gave me such a great high. So, yeah, once again, Dan, thank you so much for selecting it. Oh, man, it's all right. And, you know, it's essentially an anti-capitalist left wing manifesto. So the more I can do to elevate those. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we've we've done a couple of those recently, like we did Switch Bay Sisters last time, and this kind of it feels like we've got into quite a nice groove with um, with our kind of selections following each other because even Switch Bay Sisters and, and Burst City could make a pretty interesting double bill. Yeah, absolutely. Although Switch so, Bay uh, Sisters doesn't have an amazing junkyard yak as a massage. No, that's very true. But <laughs> it, it does have a scene in in which a woman throws a chair through a wall i will repeat that, that is true that's true yeah um but yeah do you want to talk any more about the extras i know there's quite a a long interview on there there's like a 50 minute interview that i've like i, I feel like maybe it was done over zoom uh, i think it was done at the same time as the remastering of the of the of the film because ishii uh, oversaw the remastering which was done over at toho um and it does look amazing like obviously i've only seen this on like grainy old vhs before but considering Japan's dubious track record of preserving their filmic archives it looks great yeah like it's a it's a I think there's like a 50 minute interview with Ishii talking about like again how he came to the film uh that's in Japanese and then there's a Japanese academic whose name escapes me uh talking for about half an hour and he was the cinematographer on the film in a previous life and is in the movie as well so it's pretty pretty exhaustive even though there's not a great number of extras the actual content they've got is pretty solid I guess we should be kind of fair and balanced it is an intense movie it's not going to be for everyone but it, it's, it's an experiential film rather than a purely narrative film. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It puts you it, it kind of, yeah, it gives you a, a burst of adrenaline. You kind of drop a little bit and then it picks you up again. So if you do have a bit of a lull in the middle, I mean, it is a little bit longer than maybe you'd expect for this kind of film. So in terms of those energy levels, it, it can't maintain that kind of constant high, but it will bring you back in for the end. So yeah, I don't really want to go into any more than that, obviously, because then we will be uh, driving into spoiler town. But yeah, any final thoughts from you, Dan, on Burst I'm City? Gonna, I'm just going to throw you a couple of facts that came up in the audio commentary because I feel like you need to know them and we need to discuss it. Right, okay. In There is an unmade collaboration between Sugar Ishii and William Gibson. Oh, oh my God. That, Why that they were that planning to exist? film... <laughs> they were planning to film in China in the walled city and I've yeah wow that is very interesting actually that may kind of that may lead into my recommendations a little bit but um Gibson has been quoted as saying uh, Shogo Ishii puts the punk into cyberpunk oh hell yeah which is his description of Shogo Ishii so that's like if that if you want a tagline for the movie there's your tagline. Yeah, that is a poster um, quote right there. The other thing is that apparently, and I, I didn't know this before, but Shogo has been doing VJ sets for the last 20 years on and off. And regularly his background visuals are remix work from uh, Burr City. Oh, wow. 
Oh, that's lovely. Uh, so yeah, I really want to because he went sort of you know he's he's had a few rises and falls in the Japanese film industry, and this was something of a fall because he went massively over budget and over schedule with it. And and in those fallow periods, he's often just gone back to doing music videos for the same like sort of Japanese punk outfit. Like the Stalins are the are the red and black lot who throw pigs' heads into the audience and, and yeah. shout penis, penis, penis. Yeah, like they're yeah, like those are real bands, although they've sort of moved the members around between the groups uh for the film. Um those are those are predominantly real Japanese punk bands. And so this was sort of a showcase for their work as well. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you really get a sense of that and a feel for that from the movie, for sure. Yeah, I love that. A- any more facts or should we move into uh, recommendations based on Burst City? Let's move on. I don't want to spoil anything. I feel exactly the same way. So um, I'm going to start because I really don't think there's going to be a crossover uh, this time. I think that we're going to be relatively separate because my recommendations this fortnight are pretty mental for the first one i tried to come up with something that captures the energy of burst city and i can't think of many better movies to do that than reflections of evil which is basically the psychotronic citizen kane have you seen reflections of evil dan i have not have you seen dawn of an evil millennium no, I haven't seen that either. That's that's basically kind of a 20-minute a, a trailer for an 18-hour cosmic horror movie that feels like Sam Raimi doing scanners. So that's definitely <laughs> a kind of sub-recommendation. Um, but Reflections of Evil is actually something I've been saving for a special occasion because I think if you're listening to this specific episode, you're probably ready for this movie. Um, you can actually watch it for free right now on Damon Packard's YouTube channel. And don't feel bad for watching it on there. He's the director, writer and star. And this film will never, ever get an official Blu-ray release. Ever. Um, Not because it's bad, it's incredible, but it is a licensing nightmare. You can actually (laughs) buy the DVR directly from his website, but don't tell Steven Spielberg I told you that. Uh, There is a sequence in this film that makes the E.T. ride at Universal feel like house of thousand corpses and the the movie is split up into 10 minute chunks on youtube but it's in a playlist so it, each section flows into the next so please don't let the structure put you off just be thankful that you can watch it at all it is my joker movie so let's get into the actual film i've done a bit of kind of precursor there but it is you know it, it does have something for everyone listening to this podcast but also possibly nothing for no one except me it's basically a combination of midnight cowboy and a seizure or it's francis ford coppola's devil ant but however you describe it you've got to watch it um i'm pretty sure it takes place in the same cinematic universe as the cheddar goblin advert in mandy it's like tetsuo body hammer but with food instead of tech the story basically follows the misadventures of an angry watch salesman as he wanders around Los Angeles, uh, occasionally stopping to eat or to get barked at by dogs. But forget the plot, all of the secrets of the universe are in this film. I'm pretty sure if you watched it back to back with Burr City, you would see the face of God, or at least the future of American entertainment. But I've put these together more as a vibe than anything else. There is a song about a refrigerator in Burr City that you could very easily drop into Reflections of Evil. But yeah, some might find it an endurance test, much like this uh, recommendation, uh, but most will find it absolutely transcendent. It's been on YouTube for 10 years, 
but towards the end it kind of drops down to under 2k views per video so this is a real deep cut but reflections of evil if you like crazy wild shit i massively massively recommend it but brace yourself for genius and madness dan what's first from you based on first city <laughs> well so i'm gonna i've got more than two sam i've got uh -oh. more than two shall we save two of them for extra features <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could, yeah, you you could stick, yeah, yeah, just pick your pick your favorite two, and then you can do the rest in in extra features. Okay, so my first one is actually another uh, Shogo Ishii uh, Ishii film uh, from two thousand and one, and when I saw it, I didn't know it was the same director. It was just this like weird little, very short feature. I think it's like. 70 minutes something like that black and white i watched it because at the time i was on an asano tadanobu kick and actually i got to speak to asano about this at Cannes one year and he was very touched that i knew of it because no one's seen it if you have you'll know how great it is if you haven't track it down it's not super easy to get hold of but it's electric dragon eighty thousand volts and the eighty thousand volts is a reference to the club the twenty thousand volts club in burr city it's an astonishing movie yeah, Asano Tadanobu plays a a lizard detective <laughs> called Dragoneye Morrison, uh, who really just wants to hang out with his like lizards and play his mad Japanese punk metal. Um, I mean, don't we all? Yeah, uh, and <laughs> and he's uh, but his special power is that he's infused with eighty thousand volts because of uh, an incident that is very close to a "Don't fuck about near pylons" like public service information film from. Britain in the 70s and someone else electric buddha has also been electrocuted and wants to prove that he is the most electric man and so decides that he's going to take on dragon eye uh dragon eye morrison who really doesn't want to get involved in this he's not bothered with a duel he doesn't need a nemesis he's he's happy doing his lizard based detective work and playing his music so when uh, electric buddha kills all of his lizards and cuts up his guitar well he's got no choice but to enter a crazy electrified duel across the rooftops of tokyo incredible yeah i, I i'm aware of this one this is a, a psychotronic tony favorite as well isn't it yes um, yeah, yeah 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 absolutely in fact i think choice. i this is one of the rare titles where i gave it to tony Oh, fantastic! Excellent. For the for the record, Asano did the opening credits animation himself. So Excellent. Yeah, you <laughs> well, uh, you say that one's tricky to hunt down. I have an official DVD, uh, a, a Japanese DVD. I think it's probably come out in the States now, and there's a strong possibility it's on YouTube. All right, well, I'll go into my final recommendation based on Burr City. And for that, I did think about doing Tokyo Tribe, but let's get a little weirder, shall we? I'm going to go for Death Powder which is credited as being the first Japanese cyberpunk movie leading the charge that Akira and Tetsuo followed. Though it did come out in 1986, and I, I will argue that Burst City also contains cyberpunk elements without kind of getting into it. But with Death Powder, a, a lot of it kind of takes place in a warehouse that feels like it could be just off camera in Burst City. And it's got a kind of similar kind of drug trip feel. Um, however, if Burr City is cocaine, uh, and I wouldn't know, uh, then Death Powder is heroin. It is dirty, creepy, painful, but also transcendent. It makes about as much sense 
as Burr City, but they're both full of wonderful imagery, so kind of a nice double bill pairing there. It might have even inspired Hellraiser. Look out for that kind of imagery in it. It's like much of the kind of Japanese cyberpunk, it's also a body horror, so um, those elements are in there as well. Um, But yeah, Death Powder from 1986. We've gone deep cut for this fortnight. I do recommend it. Dan, what's next from you? I just will say that Electric Dragon 80,000 Volts is on YouTube. <laughs> and it's only 53 minutes long. It's even shorter than I thought. Um, so yeah, you can you can watch online, presumably for a while. My next recommendation is an Arrow title. It's Ryuhika Tamura's Versus from 2000. It swaps the crumbling dystopian post-industrial space for woodland but it was made in a not dissimilar way to Ishii's earlier films, i.e. just a bunch of young uh, wannabe amateur filmmakers got together, went out there and did their thing, and made something that was suddenly quite successful. Yeah, uh, if you haven't seen it, I think maybe we'll cover it one day. Versus is a uh, supernatural Yakuza movie that centers around an execution of someone who has wronged a gang and unbeknownst to the uh, to the people who are doing the executing the place they have chosen for it uh, is cursed land and anyone killed there will come back to life and also everyone else who's ever been killed there will come back to life and it sort of turns into a mad sort of martial arts cross the eras fighting styles zombie horror and it's wonderful that is an excellent excellent movie i'm surprised we haven't actually done a full episode on it but I think yeah it's gonna come up yeah yeah huge, huge recommendation for me as well that is a great pick for this movie right that's it should we move into recommendations based on what we've been watching over the past couple of weeks dan uh yes let's do that uh you're first that for a change basically i've been listening back to some older episodes of this glorious podcast and i'm a little worried i've been sounding a bit po-faced recently Um, So I've dug deep into my VHS bin to pull out an absolute gem. Uh, The gem's name is Stick Fighter from 1994. Now, bear in mind, I wrote about movies like Miami Connection and Samurai Cop for Total Film over 10 years ago. So kind of before those films became a thing after they got Blu-ray releases and stuff. And this is a treasure that I'd put right alongside those two experiences. It's called Stick Fighter. It's about a stick fighting cop who doesn't really use sticks. He actually seems to prefer to launch himself at his enemy's dick (laughs) first, which might be where the movie got its title from. Yeah, that's the the titular stick. (laughs) Exactly. It's a classic tale of a cop handing in his gun and badge to avenge his partner uh, but not before taking his dead partner's sister on a series of strip club dates it was written by the star of the movie which is always a good sign and slightly confusingly julia davis who writes for the daily beast and she's an expert in russian propaganda on that site which may or may not explain stick fighter uh, like i said it's from 94 and i'd expect it to show up on red letter media at some point or to be released on Blu-ray by Vinegar Syndrome. But you can get there first by watching it right now. I believe it's on YouTube, but, um, you know, try and track down a DVD or a VHS so you can reward these good people for their efforts. Stick Fighter, it's an absolute fucking joy. Dan, what's your (laughs) first recommendation? (laughs) Um, Well, I'm going to go a little higher brow. Although, similar genre. Ooh, lovely. um, 
I uh, took a punt on the recent Korean Blu-ray box set of the A Better Tomorrow franchise. Nice. And I'm very glad that I did. Yeah, I, I'm sad that the extra features don't have any English subtitles because there's a three-part documentary about sort of bullet ballet stuff. And there may be a slight encoding issue, but I need to check it on another machine before I'm rude about the disc. But there were a couple of moments where it felt like the last couple of frames in each shot were playing slightly slower than the rest of the shot, which was very peculiar. It still has some pretty ropey English subtitles, but that just feels like comforting and traditional for this franchise, for me at least. Those of you who haven't seen it, it's an absolute wonder of a franchise. I rewatched the first one earlier today. It's a young Chow Yun Fat, uh, still with sort of one foot in the comedy roles that he was playing before he was discovered by John Woo. I say discovered by John Woo before he he ganged up with John Woo. Uh, John Woo uh, is the director. Sway Hark is the producer. It's got all the wonderful overblown melodrama of personal connection that you want from a like a nineteen eighty six. Hong Kong actioner. I was re- I realized during the watch that the thing I miss in action is the Chow Yun Fat character, and we've got loads of like effortlessly cool good guys. Uh, and even recently, we've had the like quiet, reserved everyman who suddenly turns out to be an unbelievable badass. Obviously, you've got John Wick. Recently, we've had nobody like that kind of thing. But what we don't have is the like jolly smiling chuckling like i'm everybody's best friend oh eh, eh, there's a joke oh eh, eh. like kind of attitude that chariot fat has for 90 percent of this film punctuated by 10 percent of like i'm just gonna fucking fill all the vases in this corridor with guns because i know that as i leave it's gonna be quicker to pick up a new gun from a vase than it will be to reload a gun and this is very like, logical yeah archetypal like you know when <laughs> it's just it's just so fucking good. Like this is where Chaoyun Fat throwing away guns because they're out of bullets and then just picking up more guns. This is the film that that kind of comes from. Wonderful. And they're just fucking incredible. And also, and I actually I tweeted this. I normally try not to sort of mention the stuff I think I'm going to recommend on social media because I want to keep it a surprise. But I couldn't help myself. There's a there's a scene where Chaoyun Fat's being beaten up by some bad triads, and they hit him in the back of the, they punch him in the face, and in slow motion he recoils from it and he fires blood out of both nostrils, which can only have been achieved by using the old take a mouthful of milk and make it come out your nose like playground trick of yore. Um, but with fake blood. So Chayon Fat has very obviously been willing to take a mouthful of fake blood, take a fake punch to the face on camera, and then fire that mouthful of blood out through his nose. And it's honestly the best punch that's ever been filmed on screen. How easy is this film to get a hold of, Dan? Where did you pick it up from? The, I mean, to be honest, the film itself is pretty easy to get hold of. I bought the box set online. It's not like a. I didn't have to get someone to get it for me. It wasn't hugely expensive. I just searched online for the uh, for the Better Tomorrow box set. It's one, two, and three. One and two are both John Woo. Uh, Sway Hawk took over the directing role for number three. Yeah, I, like I haven't checked the the quality of the prints on the second one, but actually it looks really beautiful. And it's seven point. They've remastered. They've, there's a five point one audio track, and they've remastered it to seven point one as well on the on the box set. And it does sound great beautiful beautiful right i will go into my uh, next recommendation uh which is blowout on criterion uh so take a breath we are returning to the real world for a moment because i honestly think that if you watch burst city reflections of evil death powder and stick fighter in one day 
by the end of that day you will be certifiably insane so i do want to calm things down and take the edge off this is obviously my first ever double dip recommendation all the arrowheads will know how much i love the arrow edition of blowout because we did a whole episode on it but it's still not a movie that enough people have seen uh this was one of the rare occasions where i was able to show something to dan that he hadn't seen before um and it's one of my fondest memories of us watching stuff together it's now coming out in the uk on criterion it's out in august but you can pre-order now and you must pre-order now it is a perfect movie and the Criterion edition has some amazing extras. There's an hour-long interview with Noah Baumbach and De Palma in which De Palma has a rant about shallow depth of field and even references Greg Toland, which sounds like one of my rants. So uh, my mind was blown watching it, and it makes me wonder if De Palma is a podcast guy. He could be a precious arrowhead, you never know. Um, there's also a whole movie in the extras, Murder a la Mod, which is the 1968 De Palma movie that appears in Blowout. Um, it's so wonderful to have it on Blu-ray. If you love De Palma, you will love Murder a la Mod, which contains most of his essential elements. It's his first film and his kind of cinematic voice was pretty clear from the very start. So... This really is an incredible release, truly essential, blowout on Criterion, even if you have the Arrow disc, which is a beautiful disc, um, I still recommend this Criterion release for those extras because you get a whole film and one of the best hour-long director interviews I've ever seen. So big, big recommendation, blowout on Criterion. Dan, what's next from you? So next from me is, again, like it's another Asian director, but it's the least Asian film you could imagine. <laughs> uh, it's by a director called Jimmy T. Murakami, who was ethnically Japanese, born in America, saw how his family and obviously himself were treated in the American internment camps during the Second World War, didn't want to be part of America anymore, moved to Ireland. He's an animator. He adapted Raymond Briggs's When the Wind Blows. So a few of you out there will have had a shiver down your spine just from the name uh, of the title, either because you've seen the movie or because you've read the book. For the rest of you, Raymond Briggs, probably most famous as the creator of The Snowman, that uh, animated musical Christmas classic, and also Fungus the Bogeyman. But he I mean, he would write the books, and, and then they were, they were adapted. Um, but he also wrote When the Wind Blows. When the Wind Blows was ostensibly a... A sort of an in-text form rebuttal of the British government's handling of the mounting threat of nuclear disaster. Yeah, it is England. one of the sexiest movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it's done in the uh, it's done in the same animated style as the Snowman. It it draws from Briggs's original illustrations in the same yes, way that the Snowman exactly, did. Yeah, so yeah. it has the same like character style. But actually, what Murakami has done is kind of wonderful because they've shot all of the backgrounds on miniatures in live action or like a version of live action 
crossed with stop motion and then they've animated the characters into those scenes so unlike the snowman which is much more uh, sort of traditional cell animation this is a really interesting hybrid animation and so just oh, from that sounds an, wonderful yeah, just yeah yeah just from an animation standpoint and then you've roger waters did the soundtrack david bowie sung the opening and closing songs like there's a lot of reasons to check out this movie but the main one is to have your heart absolutely fucking broken watching an old couple an elderly couple not know how to deal with radiation poisoning it's on severing kids which i think might be a joke but yeah it's a severing release in the states and they've done a lovely job they actually there's a really beautiful sort of like video interview essay kind of thing with murakami where he talks about you know his experience of learning to distrust the government you know feeling you know he was he was an American but wasn't allowed to feel like an American during that period in 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 the Second World War uh, and and yeah he left there it's all filmed in the in the countryside of Ireland you get to watch him doing his watercolors and it's 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 beautiful and also a little heartbreaking again I love that uh, I have to get this release obviously I know this film very well it's kind of a weird British staple isn't it it was on TV quite a lot but yeah to see it get a, a, a proper blu-ray release in the states is uh, quite marvelous and yeah as you as you say maybe don't show it to your kids because it is kind of a, a eye-scarring horror movie just, basically you, just um, just tri- triple billet with quadruple billet <laughs> yeah there you f- go f- five billet whatever that is with uh warship down Yes. Plague Dogs, Perfect. Graveyard of the Fireflies, and Time yep. of the Cockroaches. Oh my god, holy fucking shit. We we really are setting out to destroy people with this episode, which is probably <laughs> the most punk rock thing we've ever done. Um, shall we go into extra features, extra features, extra features? Yes, but I will just say that one of my most like amazing When the Wind Blows moments was in a second-hand record shop in Hungary while filming... Uh, Lords of Chaos, I found an original pressing uh, on vinyl of the When the Wind Blows soundtrack, which I now own. Oh, fabulous. Excellent. Um, Not again, where I thought I'd that, find there's it. There's that kind of rock connection, I guess. Um, slightly less punk, but... Um, I also bought the Breaking 2 soundtrack and the Eyes of Laura Mars soundtrack. Wait, there is there is a connection between uh, Lords of Chaos and Burr City. You know what it is, Dan. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Stalins, uh, the red and black clad band, throw a pig's head into the audience, which is something that happens in Lords of Chaos and is something that Mayhem would do themselves. But, but the Stalins would also do. Although apparently that pig was used to feed the cast. Amazing. Well, they seamless. Bought, they bought a carcass, didn't let it go to waste. Yeah, threw the head into we, the audience. We always penis, penis, penis. bring these plot strands together. Precious Arrowhead, uh, you know it. Right, let us go into extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features. Yeah, I've just got extra recommendations. Uh, I was going to talk about Wild Zero uh, by Tetsuo Takeuchi from 1999. Um, it's ostensibly a, a semi-musical showpiece for Guitar Wolf, the self-titled loudest band in the world. Um, the director doesn't seem to have done much else. Uh, it's a zombie movie with crazy quiff-wearing, motorbike-riding Japanese punk rockers Guitar Wolf doing their thing. It is a loud film. It is a mad film. It is a flawed film. It's a very fun film. It really is. That's a great one. I'm going to throw a recommendation into the pile. This isn't based on Burr City. This is uh, 
just a, a film that I think more people should see. Um, it's a short film, actually. It's from 1987, and it's called <gasps> The Black Tower. Um, you'll be able to find it on YouTube, and it really should be as well-regarded and well-known as Whistle and I'll Come to You. So, yeah, I'm not going to say anything about it. Just find it on YouTube, put on your headphones, focus for the entire runtime and thank me when it's finished um but but remember we are not responsible for your sanity on this show and we never have been dan what's next from you uh, from the recommendation pile from burst city well so this is a it's another short film actually so that works quite nicely again i'm sure you can find it on youtube uh, it's on the laserdisc box set and the dvd special edition box set both from france of doberman by jan kunen who's the same director as the thing i'm recommending uh, it's giselle carazen from 1990 it's yeah it's mad it's about two witches chasing around uh, Paris on broomsticks for a skull in a Kaiser helmet hitting each other with big axes it's stop motion using live actors and to get the Im- the effect of them flying on their broomsticks Kunen the director would have them jump and only expose one frame at the apex of the jump and oh. it's a chase around Paris a deserted Paris because they filmed it like two in the morning three in the morning well like you know sunrise Uh, yeah so it's a deserted Paris Uh, there is a cameo from Kunan himself in it uh, there aren't a lot of people so you'll probably be able to work out who he is it's an absolute fucking treat but those those all those rushing shots that we talked about at the beginning of Burst City uh, really made me feel like you know I know that stuff's been that, that's been used a lot but for some reason uh, Giselle Carazen was the one that really like like came to mind wonderful excellent yeah it's five, um, it's five minutes long watch it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah five minutes for, for Dan's I think Black Tower is around it's between 20 and 30 minutes I think it might be like 22 or something like that but um um, yeah, both on YouTube. So if you watch nothing else from this week, do watch those. But watch everything. This is a treasure trove of an episode. Loads of really weird, cool shit. Um, I'd like to give a, a quick shout out to Arrow's release of The Bloodhound, as that also has several fantastic short films on the disc once again this is a lou from arrow recommendation that absolutely blew my mind she told me to check them out on the disc and these short films are exactly my vibe um exactly my my wavelength they're basically super short super surreal little movies kind of art pieces really with weird imagery and ambient music so it's it's exactly my taste if if you've seen any of my movies you'll know that Um, And even though they add up to around about five minutes, they were 100% worth watching the main movie for, which I did also enjoy. um, But it was nothing compared to how much I loved those short films. So uh, thanks once again to Lou from Arrow. The Bloodhound is uh, my final recommendation of many this fortnight. Excellent stuff. Any more from you, Dan, or should we uh, wrap this shit up? No, I think we're, yeah, we're at a natural stopping point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, we probably could go on for days with recommendations, but we've got to save some for next fortnight when we'll be doing uh, Brute Force, which is uh, part of the, the Tales from the Urban Jungle box set. Uh, I don't know if these ones are on the Arrow streaming service, but uh, they're in a really, really lovely box set. So very much recommend picking those up, especially if you haven't seen Brute Force, which uh, Dan will tell you from his recommendations last time is a masterpiece. Um, So, yeah, we'll be going into detail about both. So 
recommend you pick that up if you can. Yeah, Naked City and Brute Force are both on the Arrow streaming service. Oh, fantastic. There you go. So um, you've got no excuses. You've got your homework after you've watched hours and hours of absolute madness from uh, from this episode. Uh, you can kind of recover a little bit with some intense noir. <laughs> um, <laughs> good stuff. All right. Well, Dan, how can people stalk you across the computers that exist throughout this galaxy? Uh, I am at 13fingerfx uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, obviously, at the moment, uh, a lot of those uh, posts are being taken up with uh, content regarding In the Earth and upcoming sensor um but uh you know that's the place where i announce things i've got going on uh, and post behind the scenes pictures of of whatever film i'm i'm most recently allowed to post behind the scenes pictures of yeah dan has been putting up some super cool stuff from in the earth so uh definitely worth a follow there uh me less so i'm at sam ashurst on twitter where i kind of oscillate between putting up pictures of dan's dog kind of taking some of the pressure off him uh in that respect <laughs> and um and talking about football because the U- european championship is on at the moment and i do like football uh, almost as much as i like films so uh maybe just leave it for a couple of weeks i'm sure i'll be back to normal soon at sam ashurst i'll, I'll see you there <laughs> actually do do tell me if you watch any of these wild films that we've been recommending uh, oh yeah today. we love hearing if you've yeah if you've watched anything we've recommended yeah for sure all right well uh i think that about does it let me just say the final words that will ever be spoken on this podcast thank you so much for listening and we promise to be more professional next time bye <laughs>